Good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us today as we are diving into the second week of this series we call Five Star Life. Before we kind of dive into that, uh, we have Easter coming up in just a couple of weeks. And uh, some people in the front row are excited about Easter, resurrection, you know, it's a good thing. But uh, on, on your seat as you walked in were some invite cards for our Easter services. And listen, guys. This Easter, we're going to have six services available for your friends and for your family. And so uh, take some opportunity to invite them. We're going to have Saturday night at 4.30 and 6 o'clock. We're going to have some extra things kind of going on on Saturday night to open up seats on Sunday morning. So we want to encourage you to come to Saturday night unless you have some guests coming to, to Sunday morning. And then on Sunday morning, we're going to do a 7 a.m. sunrise service out in, uh, on the lawn to the north. And so if you, if you want to come out and be a part of that, we'd love for you to be a part of that. And then we'll do our normal 9, 10, 15, and 11, 30 services. It's going to be an incredible, incredible Easter here at Coastal. Can't wait for that to take place. But we began this series last week called Five Star Life. And five stars, uh, this idea is something that is in our culture everywhere. In our culture, it's quickly how we differentiate between something that's poor and decent, average, good, or best in life. And we're constantly rating things in life, trying to decide like what, where can we find the, the, the best uh, meal or where can we find that perfect pair of jeans. And it's how we rate experiences. It's how we rate uh, the quality of products. And we're constantly rating things in life. And so we started last week by rating some things. And so on your seats is a card that looks like this on every single one of your seats. If you would take that card, throw, throw it up in the air. Everybody put it up in there, wave it around like you just don't care. Okay, perfect. We got some wrap in there, so now we're good for the service. Anyways, we're going to rate some things in life, and so there's some different ratings that you can put on here. And so the first thing I want you to kind of rate and give me some ideas on, how would you rate your mattress? How would you rate your mattress? I'm, I'm going to give mine a two and a half star. Okay, we see, I, ha, I see some people that like their mattresses. Really, I'm doing this because my wife keeps telling me we need a new mattress, and so... So some of y'all that have the two and a half stars as well. So you guys that have five stars. On the count of three, I want you to yell out what kind of mattress you have because I need some research right now. One, two, three. Okay, Amazon. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. Appreciate that. Okay, uh, that was not helpful at all. Okay, how about this one? Chick-fil-A, Christian chicken. What do y'all say? <laughs> five stars. What, I see some four stars? What? Christian chicken? Two and a half stars. What? Are you, are you, do you have a pulse? You alive? You might not be for much longer. You don't like Christian chicken. I mean, five stars is where it's at, right? Five stars. I mean, you know what's wrong about this is that I'm getting us all, like you're thinking about some Christian chicken right now, aren't you? And you can't get it. Can't get it. It's impossible to get Christian chicken on Sunday. Praise the Lord, but we'll be there Monday morning. Okay. Uh, how about this one? The, the Captain Marvel movie. What do you all think? Okay. Some, some people, like, I, I haven't seen it, and I probably won't, so I'm just going to go ahead and give it a one star because uh, I don't even want to see it. Okay. Not many people care. Okay. How about this one? <laughs> your spring break. Spring break. Okay. Parents. Parents, how was your spring break? <laughs> I, see, I see some parents, like, it's terrible. They need to go back to school. Okay. Perfect, perfect. How about this one? Dogs, dogs. Five stars, five stars right there. I wait, I see some one stars. Let me, I, you know, I could have, 
I could have put cats up here, but I know what that rating would be in our church. That You don't even get a rating for cats. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> oh, we got some cat lovers. Listen, I, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you some I'm going to give you some insight. If you want to know what hell is going to be like, it's just going to be a bunch of cats everywhere. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. <laughs> you love cats. I'm sorry. Um, there's still hope for you. I mean, there is still hope. But we, we love to rate things. It's fun to rate things. And we all want good things. We all want five stars when we're looking for something in life. And I believe that God wants us to live out a five-star life. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. There is an enemy that is out there that is trying to keep you and I from living what is possible through God in our lives. And Jesus actually said these words. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus actually says that there is the potential, there is the possibility for all of us to live out a five-star life. In fact, some other versions say an abundant life that we can experience this life of fullness, this life of abundance. And so the question becomes, how do we actually live out that life? What does that look like for you and I? And last week we started this series and we said, hey, listen, one of the foundational elements, if we're going to live a five-star life, it comes with us putting God first in our life. If we're going to live out the fullness that God has for us, God has got to be in the number one place in our life. And we started talking about what is the ultimate competitor of our heart, and it's our resources. Jesus says you can't love God and love money. Like they're in competition for one another. And we talked about the power of the tithe in your life. And whatever you put first in your life has the power to bless the rest. And most of us, what we should be putting first is God. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about living out this five-star life. And we're going to look at somebody who thought they had it figured out how to live the five-star life. And it, this story comes out of Luke chapter 12. If you want to turn to your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, you can look on your worship God on the, your seat. All the scripture will be there. Or you can just pay attention on the screen. And Jesus is in the middle of teaching uh, it, it, some people. He's, he's actually breaking off some of his best teaching that he's ever had. And right in the middle of his message, somebody yells out from the crowd. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. It says, then someone called out from the crowd, teacher. Please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Kind of a random question to happen right in the middle of a message. And Jesus actually replied to him. He says, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? And then he says this. He says, beware. Now, anytime Jesus says beware, we should probably take note of what he's about to tell us to beware of. And then he says, he uses this word guard. And the reason he uses this word guard is because he knows that there is something in our life that we have got to guard. And the thing that we've got to guard in our life is our heart. God is after our heart. He's going, hey, guard your heart. He says, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Why? Because things are going to come into your heart and try to compete with God. And they're going to say, hey, you're going to want this more than you're going to want that. He said, don't let greed take over in your life. Greed or the want for anything, the thing that you need to want in your life is me. And then he makes this statement, life is not measured by how much you own. Which is a weird response in this moment. Like life is not measured by how much you own. Why would he say that? Because we're always concerned about our stuff, aren't we? He goes, life is not measured by how much you own. 
But that's how we measure life. That's how we measure success, isn't it? The house you live in, the car you drive, the accolades on the wall, the amount of money in the bank. That's our barometer of success. Oh, you're successful because you live there and drive that and do that. You're not because you don't. And the reason we measure those things is because we believe that we own all of those things. Those are our accomplishments. Those are our things. Those are our homes and cars and bank accounts. And the problem with that is, is we don't own anything. And if we're going to get a foundation, this is foundation level to living a five-star life. You're never going to live a five-star life if you don't know the one who owns it all. See, I learned this a long time ago. When I went off to college, uh, my stepdad, his name is George. He's an incredible, incredible guy. Um, super, super generous guy. Taught me so much in life. So much of who I am uh, as, as a person is because of my stepdad, George. And um, when I was going off to school, as I was getting ready to leave, he, he pulls out his wallet and, and he hands me a credit card. He says, TJ, I want you to be taken care of while you're at school. Use this for whatever you need, whatever incidentals you need to go grab some gas in your car. Whatever you need, just, just go ahead and use that. And boy, did I use it. <laughs> I remember after being away at school for about a month, I get a phone call from George. Uh, George had just gotten his visa statement with the charges that were on it, and, and he said, hey, 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 TJ, uh, son, I love you, but I was going through the charges that you had this month, and um, I saw that you went to CC's Pizza. Anybody ever been to CC's Pizza before? It's a staple of a college student. Um, $2.99 buffet back in the day. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's $4.99 inflation. It's terrible. But it was $2.99 back in the day when I went. And, uh, and he's like, hey, I noticed that you spent $55 at CC's in one setting. And I'm pretty sure the buffet is like 3 bucks. So like uh, not really sure what happened there. Uh, and then I saw that you got gas in your vehicle, which costs about $20 to fill up your tank, but you spent $150 at the gas station. Um, are you using my money to buy stuff for other people? And I said, well, George, you taught me to be generous. <laughs> he goes, TJ, that's not generosity. That's stealing. Because that's not your money. That's my money. See, the question is, 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 the money that's in your bank account, the car that you drive, the talent that you've been given, the breath that's in your lungs right now, is that yours? Because I'm here to tell you today that it all belongs to God. It all belongs to him. That's why Jesus says, hey, listen, life isn't measured by how much you own because you don't own anything. And if you're trying to measure off that, you've got the wrong measuring stick because my Father in heaven owns it all. Don't believe me? How about Psalms chapter 24, verse 1? The earth is the Lord's. That's a possessive word. And everything in it, that means the sum of every part of its being. 
And all its people belong to him. So everything is God's. And, and listen, doctrine is established on two or more scriptures. For all of you super spiritual people, you're like, well, that's not doctrine. Well, let me establish it. So Psalms chapter 50, verses 10 through 12. For every wild animal of the forest is mine, says God. And the cattle on a thousand hills, I know every bird of the mountains and creatures that move in the field are mine. This is my favorite part of this whole scripture. This is God speaking. He goes, if I were hungry... I wouldn't tell you, which is kind of messed up. I'm like, God, why wouldn't God tell us if he's hungry? Because you don't have anything to give him to feed him with. Because you don't own anything. So he's like, Man, you have nothing to offer. <laughs> if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I'll tell myself, I'm hungry. <laughs> it says, for the world is mine. In all its fullness. Now, what's interesting is if you do a word study, that word fullness right there. So God is saying everything's mine in all of its fullness. That word fullness is the same word that Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to you in the full. How can Jesus give us our life in the full? The reason he can is because he owns it all in its fullness. You can't give something that you don't possess. And so God goes, I got it all. And the way that we can live a five-star life is when we recognize that it all belongs to him. And Jesus is trying to establish this from the very beginning with this guy. Listen, it all belongs to God. And if we don't get that foundation, we're going to miss out on living the five-star life. And he continues on in verse 16. And he says, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And, and, and right away when we hear that, let me just stop. When we hear that, we, we automatically go, oh, some rich guy, that's not me. I'm here to tell you today that you're rich. Some of you don't believe me. Uh, let me. Let me help you get it. If you make $100 a week... You are in the top 25% of income earners in the entire world. Well, I don't think that, that, that I'm rich. Okay, if you have a home with a closet with clothes in it, anybody have some clothes in their closet? Just, just let, come on, put your hand up in there if you have some clothes in your closet. If you don't have clothes in your closet, I will give you some clothes, okay? I'm just telling you. But all of us do. You're in the top 5% of wealthy people in the world. If you make $32,000 a year, Annual income, you're in the top 1% of income earners in the entire world. See, we don't think we're rich. We wouldn't say we're rich, but in reality, we're rich. We live in the richest country in the richest period of time in, in the entire world history. And see, when they said this rich man, what everybody in that time realized is that this was a person who owned some land and had surplus because the vast majority of people in Jesus' time were just trying to survive the day. If I could find enough food for the day, then I was going to survive. And, and so here is a man that has more than the average person, and, and this is what he says. He goes, he goes, man, continue on. He said to himself, what should I do? So he's like, man, I've got this huge abundance of crops. He says, I don't have room for all my crops. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, he's a little narcissistic, talking to himself right here. You have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. See, this guy right here, he does something that is really, really smart. 
He does something that's really, really important that I think all of us need to do. Is he has a preferred vision for his future. And what he does is he realizes God has given me a lot. And so what that means is, number one, I have got to be a good steward. He goes, man, I've got to be a good steward of what God has given me. See, a lot of people will read this scripture right here, and preachers love to dog this guy. Oh, man, he was just greedy. No, no, no. This dude was smart. He does something that all of us should do. He gets a plan for his life. He gets a plan for his finances. He gets a plan for his time and his resources. And every single one of us should be planning some things in our life. Especially when it comes to stewarding our life. There's some things financially that we should all be planning on. One of those things, in fact, I'm going to give you three, is all of us should be developing a spending plan. Develop a spending plan. Now, it seems obvious when I say that, but most of us don't have a plan when we're spending. What our plan is, is what comes in goes out. That's a lot of people's plan. But we need to develop a plan. And it's amazing to me how short-sighted we are in life. Let me just give you an example. Marriage. People will plan for six months to a year to get married. I mean, and let's be honest, ladies have been planning that their entire life since they were little girls. They've been dreaming about that wedding day. Guys, we don't care. Just tell us where to be and when to be. We've been planning the honeymoon. Can I get an amen? That's what we care about. But we'll plan for years and time for a wedding day and take no time to plan for the life after the wedding with that person. We'll plan to build a house. Man, we'll go through every detail to build a home, but we'll never make a plan for the family that's going to live in that home. We're so good at short-term goals, but so many of us, we miss out on long-range goals, and it's especially true when it comes to our finances. And so if you're going to have a spending plan, you've got to have this word in your life, and it's a dirty word in our society. It's called a budget. Come on, everybody say budget. Come on, say budget. I know it's hard. Come on, ladies, say budget. <laughs> just, just kidding. I don't want to get thrown stuff at. So, seems obvious, but do you know that 57% of homes in America today do not have an operating budget? If you want to go somewhere, you've got to have a plan. And if you want to go somewhere financially, that plan is called a budget. And you've got to get one in your life. Because I know the thing that is stressing out more people today is their finances than any other thing. And this is what I know. What the Bible says is true. In, in Proverbs 27, it says, riches can disappear fast. Some of you all know that. You got your paycheck on Friday, and it's Sunday, and it's already gone. You're like, where did that go? Why? Because they disappear fast. He says, so watch your business closely. Bottom line, you got to get a budget. And I would suggest you get a zero-based budget, which means you take every dollar that comes in and you put a name to that dollar and it goes somewhere. So at the end of your month, there's zero left because you're putting it in some category. Otherwise, that budget, that money will disappear just like Scripture said. So you've got to develop a spending plan. You have to develop a savings plan. Like... We are so short-sighted and the most impatient people in the world. We want everything right here, right now. And the problem with that is, is that the average American does not have $1,000 right now in a savings account for emergencies. And what that means is because we're so impatient, we want everything right now. We spend everything we get. And then when an emergency happens, the AC breaks. 
Your car goes out. Your kid gets sick. You have nothing there as a cushion. And so what do you do? You put it on credit, right? And you say, I'll get to that at some point, and then the next emergency happens, the next emergency. Listen, the buck has got to stop somewhere. And so we've got to start, start somewhere. We've got to start saving somewhere. Here's what I suggest. You have a savings account or you have a checking account. Go to your bank and open a savings account. When you get paid, ask them to make a direct deposit of $20, $50, $100 into your savings account. You'll know where the money's going anyways right now. You'll never miss that money. You'll never even know where it went. And all of a sudden, you'll start building up a cushion. When you get to $1,000, that's a starting place. Then what you need to do is you need to start saving for three months' worth of expenses. That's called good stewardship. Because a rainy day is going to come. A catastrophe is going to come. And I've just learned this. When you create margin in your life, bad things just don't seem to happen. Have you ever noticed that when you're broke is when the car breaks? When you're broke is when the AC breaks. But when you got money in the bank, those problems just don't seem to happen. Why? It's a principle. Why? Because the wise man saves for the future. But a foolish man spends whatever he gets. Another scripture in Proverbs says, a wise man has choice, oil and wine in his house. What does that mean? It means he's been saving some things. Some of us, we've got to start saving some things. In fact, I would suggest you, you live by a principle that we, we teach here in our DNA class. It's called the 10-10-80 principle. You give your first 10% to God because you say, hey, God, 90% with your blessing is better than 100% of mine that's cursed. And so I'm going to give you the first, and then I, the next 10% I'm going to save because Robert Kiyosaki says, poor people are poor because they pay themselves last, and rich people are rich because they pay themselves first. So you're going to start paying yourself first, and then you're going to live on 80%. It's a good plan. Some of y'all should adopt that here today, and then you need to develop a plan for debt elimination. Getting practical here, because when you have debt, and I'm talking about unsecured credit card debt, student loans, Shoot, I'll even throw some car payments on there because some of y'all are so upside down in your car, it's not even funny. We become slaves to that thing. And instead of serving God, what we end up doing is we end up serving money. How can you say that, TJ? I'm not serving money. Really? Are you sure? Because when you're in debt, you are no longer working for your future. I don't know if you realize that or not. But you are working to pay off a desire in your past that no longer satisfies you, but yet you are obligated to it. That's called slavery. That's why it says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And I believe that God wants to bring, see, the five-star life is about freedom. And a lot of us, we're locked up when it comes to our finances, and it's keeping us from personal freedom as much as it is financial freedom. Because you can't do what God wants you to do because you're a slave to something you've done in the past. And for some of us, that means that we're going to have to make some drastic changes. For some of us, we're going to need to have some plastic surgery here today. I'm not talking about nip and tuck and getting a... a yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wherever you go there. Uh, I'm talking about cutting up some credit cards, taking back some control of your life. 
getting rid of some unsecured debt that is controlling your life. And listen, I'm not, I'm not just talking about a theory. I'm talking about real life because when Shayla and I got married, we went off to school, and we acquired $25,000 in credit card debt in one year. We were stupid. And those decisions made us slaves to those decisions. We don't even know what we spent it on. And we had to make some drastic choices in life to discover and find freedom. I remember one of those choices is we, we didn't drive nice cars. We ended up finding and buying cars that we could actually afford. For, for me at the time, this was in 2003. That meant I bought a 1994 Taurus station wagon. It was beautiful. It was primer gray, like literally primer on the outside, and it was gray. And this car was so bad that none of the interior lights worked in it. So at night, you couldn't see your dashboard. But that didn't matter because none of the dash instruments even worked. So you never knew if you had gas. You didn't know what speed you were going. You didn't know if the battery was on. You didn't know nothing. And so you just you went with the flow of traffic. You stopped every couple of days and put some gas in there just in case. But I'll tell you what. That car brought some freedom because that car cost $200, cash, money. That was like a lot of $20 bills. I felt rich when I was pulling that out, paying that guy. It's like, yeah, man, I'm rich. But not really. I was becoming rich because I was finding freedom. And I'll tell you what, that car was anointed. Two quarts of oil every week, man. It was like, got it down the road. But for some of you, you need to make some drastic changes. You have 600 channels of cable. You don't watch but two shows. Get rid of your cable. Cut that $100 out of your spending right now. For some of you, you stop at Starbucks every day and spend $5. Really? You can go make a Keurig coffee for $0.25. Take that $4.75 and put that towards your debts. What you do is you start taking that money that you're spending frivolously because you have a budget and you know where it's going now, you, you start cutting some of those things out that are luxury items that you don't need. They're wants, not needs. Oh, now it's getting personal. But you want a five-star life. You have to do some things drastic to have a five-star life. Start cutting some of those things out and you start putting them towards that debt you have. Start paying it down. It's called the debt snowball. And as you start paying it down, you pay one off, you start putting that towards the next one, the next one, the next one. Eventually, you find freedom in life. Listen, and we're here to help. Listen, you need some help putting together a budget, putting together a plan for this. We want to help you. In your seat back pocket, there's a card you can pull out. Put out your information. Put on there, I need some financial help, and we will help you put together a plan. We'll get some financial counseling around you and get you the help that you need. And here's what I know will happen because I've been doing this for 20 years. There'll be 20 of you out of 1,200 of you that will do that. We'll call you up and ask you to come in with all of your bills. There'll be two of you that do that. And those two will come in and they will work that plan and they will get freedom. And the rest of you will live with the shame of what you've done in the past for the rest of your life instead of getting free from it. Don't do it. Listen, there's no shame in making some mistakes. The shame is when we can't admit that we made some mistakes and learn from it. Get yourself some help, and we want to help. Go to FPU, Financial Peace University. is a connect group that we offer all the time. Go to it. It will change your life. 
So this guy, he has got stewardship down. Like he's got his plan down. And Jesus continues this story in verse 20. He says, but God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night, then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth and not have a rich relationship with God. So this guy does something brilliant. I mean, he, he has a great plan, and, and, and I don't think God calls him a fool because he has a great plan. I think God would commend you for having a great plan. The reason God calls this man a fool is not because he had a great plan. The reason this God calls this man a fool is because he thought that every blessing that God had given him was for himself. He had the audacity to think that God had given me an abundance so I could hoard that abundance and keep it for me. See, he forgot this fundamental thing that God blesses us to be a blessing. See, one half of living the five-star life is we have to be good stewards. The other half of the five-star life is we have to be generous. It's the aspect that this God thought so many of us believe that everything that God gives us is for our consumption. And listen to this, people. Every blessing that we do not turn back into praise has the propensity to turn into pride in our life. Some of you all need to hear that again. Every blessing that we don't turn back into praise, that we don't turn back into worship to God, has the propensity to become pride in our life. Because what did this guy say? Hey, look at what God has done. I'm going to build bigger barns so I can eat, drink, and be merry. It's all about me, myself, and I. And God says, you fool. And some of us, God has blessed our life immeasurably. More than we could ever ask and imagine. And we think, you know what, it's all for me. And God's going, you fool. This concept of an open hand versus a closed hand. believe that God blesses you so you can be a blessing to others. In fact, there's a promise that, that God made to Abraham that I believe that isn't just a promise for Abraham. It's a promise for all of us. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. So God wants to bless you. He wants to give you a five-star life. But not so that you can take that blessing and go, thanks, God. It's all me. Because as soon as we do this, God goes, you fool. Like, when you have an open hand, I can give you, and it can flow through you. Because life isn't just about you. It's about my kingdom. And I know that there's somebody going, well, but TJ, I don't, I don't feel very blessed right now. But you are. How is your hand? Is it open or is it closed? Because what I've found is a lot of people have a closed hand and they're going, God, 
bless me with more. And God's going, but what are you doing with what I've already put in your hand? What are you doing with the little that I've already put in there? Are you, are you keeping that all for yourself and saying, this is all for me? Or are you living with an open hand because Jesus actually told a story of that. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the little things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Faithful with a little. You have an open hand with little, God can give you more. You're faithful with more, God can give you much. But here's the thing. We think that we give to get. That's not why we give. We give because of the last statement here. Enter the joy of your master. See, we're a great steward and generous in life because the ultimate thing that we can experience, the thing that creates a five-star life is us experiencing the joy of our master, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the love that supersedes everything, grace that is unfathomable in life. And see, the five-star life is a life that combines extreme stewardship and extravagant generosity. I equate it to riding a bike. It'd be like getting on a bike. You have to have both pedals. Because have you ever tried to ride a bike just being a good steward? Don't get very far very fast. A little unbalanced there. Or just being generous. Some people are like, man, I, I give to God. But yeah, but you've never stewarded anything else. What happens when we take that bike that's God's and we start riding it? We start experiencing that five-star life. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we thank you that you're a God that has come to give us a full life, an abundant life. But that life is a choice. You've given us the option that we can experience life to the measure, honestly, that we choose. And some of us here have chosen to live out these principles fully and we're experiencing a five-star life. But I believe that many of us, we've been missing some pedals. We've been missing stewarding the gifts and the talents and the resources and the time that you've already given to us. And for others of us, You've given us so much, but yet we're holding on to it. And instead of being a conduit, we're being a dead end.